Today we're going to discuss this primary, direct primary care model of care, and I'm honored to have with me as my guest today, Dr. Vicki Sandoz with ImagineMD. Dr. Samuels, thank you so much for being with us today, and would you be, take a few minutes to introduce yourself and ImagineMD to our attendees? Thank you for inviting me. Uh, my name is Dr. Samuels, Vicki Samuels, and I'm part of ImagineMD. We are a small practice in the West Loop of Chicago. We actually have two offices now. We have one in the West Loop of Chicago and one in Bloomingdale, Illinois. We're still growing and we are, thankfully, we are um, growing because people understand that direct primary care is an excellent use of uh, an excellent way to get better care. Um, I was in solo practice for about 10 years and then my practice was bought by a large organization. I worked for that organization for a few years and then I met the um, founders of this practice, um, Dr. Alex Lickerman and Rhea Campbell, and we met and discussed our goals in caring for patients and we we knew that we meshed. Um, so I left that big practice and decided to join them and it was the best choice I've made. Um, so I've been with ImagineMD for about three years and it's been great for me as a physician and I believe great for my um, patients as well. It's, it's direct primary care is going to be the next way to care for patients and I'm sure we're going to go over that a little bit more in the next few minutes. I believe that minutes. too. Talk a little bit about why it's so much better. Why do you like it? As a physician, why is it so much more enjoyable for you to be in this kind of a model versus the traditional model? Well, you know, we always have a lot of patients when we're in a traditional model um, in order to make it really. Um, we have these things called RVUs and relative value units. And that is how we kind of, we don't say, hey, this is the patient. We're more about how many RVUs can you get to make sure that you earn income, honestly. Um, and that's not why I became a doctor and most people did not become doctors for RVUs. We became doctors to take care of people. And what changed was that it, RVUs became to drive, uh, became the way things were driven more so than great patient care and making sure that you got to, to relate and to know your patients. So when I joined ImagineMD, it went back to what I thought medicine should be. It went back to, hey, you know what, when Jane comes in, I know Jane. It's not, you know, uh, I met Jane once and she's got five problems, but how can I make sure that I make, you know, I go over these five things with her? Uh, or I usually didn't have enough time to go over five things. Now, if she's got one thing or 20, we have time to talk about them and we can review them together. We make plans together. And I think that's how medicine should be. And direct primary care allows that. Now. Of course, traditional medicine, there are fabulous doctors in traditional medicine, and but I think we all feel we're rushed and that's gone out. of. We no longer have to deal with that in our practice now. We now have time to talk to them. If we don't, I mean, we always have time for them, but if we need to review something, we have the time to say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna get back to you in a few hours. Let me go research this. Let me go get some evidence to say, this is why this treatment is best. And that wasn't always there when I was in traditional for service medicine. We had some time and most the easiest thing to do was, well, take this medicine, let me refer you to someone and then I'll get back to you in a, in a few months. That doesn't happen anymore. Now I can say, hey, I'll get back to you tomorrow if I need to, if, or we can address it today as best we can. But if I need to do some research, I have the time I need to do that research. And patients know that and appreciate that. Now, everybody's not a difficult patient, meaning they don't have these um, 
serious, I mean, everybody doesn't have these things that need a lot of research, but if I need it, I can do it. And I can reach out to, I can collaborate with my partner here, Dr. Lurkerman, and also reach out to some specialists if I need to. We have the time to build relationships. And I think that's what has gone away from traditional fee-for-service medicine. The relationships aren't there. And now I have that opportunity to do so. So talk a little bit about how direct primary care does get paid because you're not billing insurance anymore. Talk a little bit about the subscription model. So we, we no longer work, worry about co-pays. That doesn't happen. We are a monthly fee. And so we charge a certain amount per month. And the patient just has to pay that each month. It is less than a phone bill, a uh, cell phone bill. And, you know, I haven't met a person who doesn't have a cell phone <laughs> in the last six years, 10 years even. Um, so, and most people will say, I need my cell phone. I think more importantly, you need your health. Um, and so we say, hey, if we tell them, you pay your phone bill every month, this is almost like a phone bill and probably more important. <laughs> so it allows us to um, not ever worry about, I need to get them in here four times to make sure I get four copays. Copays are never discussed. We don't have to worry about it. It is one fee once a month and that's it. And they they can come see me once once a month if they want, if they want to see me once a year. It is what is appropriate. And we where we feel that they need to be seen more often, we can, but there's no value in saying, hey, I need to see her 15 times just so I can, you know, get these visits and these RVUs. Now we're about do I, if I need to see her 15 times, it's because 15 times it's the appropriate treatment plan and we can make sure we discuss everything that is going on with her health or his or her her health um and to address all those issues so well, it I'm, is it's just easier <laughs> and and it's aligned with the patient in other words yes. your your goal is to keep that person as healthy as possible because the more unhealthy you are the more work you got to do so you've got an alignment with the patient they're aligned with you because they're paying you to keep them healthy in the first place and now let's talk about employers. This is a wonderful model for employers to incorporate into their benefit strategy because again, now you've got the primary care doctor, which is the foundation of healthcare, aligned with the employer. The employer wants their employees healthy, the doctor wants the employees healthy, and everybody's working towards keeping them healthy in the first place. Where traditional fee-for-service, where you're buying a health insurance plan, a traditional plan, you're paying a premium, the, the doctors, the insurance plans, the providers, the pharmaceutical companies, everybody gets paid based on RVUs or fee-for-service. So the more that people fall off the cliff, the more money the system makes. It's like, wait, there's something wrong with this. <laughs> this isn't how it's supposed to work. There's supposed to be, if, if the buyer, the employer, wants to attract and retain top talent, they don't want costs to be enormous, they want healthy employees, then why not create a system that's working for those same goals instead of paying for a system that's misaligned or perversely aligned. And what I like to tell business leaders is, look, your traditional approach to buying benefits for your employees is you put all your money into one basket. Let's buy an insurance plan. And sometimes I'll say, look, I'll buy this, but you can choose between two or three. And I say, well, no, you know, you're the buyer. You buy to get what you want. You put different buckets in place. So put a bucket of money into that a traditional catastrophic plan, but set another bucket of money aside for a different kind of primary care and say to your employees, look, if, if you'll go pick up a, a direct primary care physician who now is aligned with you, I will give you $100 a month or $50 a month, or maybe they split it some way. But now it's like if, if you'll go get the foundation of healthcare that will keep you healthy, I'll actually help pay for it. 
Now, if you go, no, I'm just going to use my traditional plan, then fine. I'm not going to make you use a direct primary care physician, but you don't get the $100. <laughs> the only way you get the $100 is to actually build it into your overall plan and to say, I want to have it and I go get it. Now, I tell my employees, if I'm going to spend $100 on you to have a subscription model for direct primary care, you need to, as a minimum, go see your doctor at least once a year for a good thorough physical so you can talk about how you're going to keep healthy. You know, the whole idea of direct primary care is, is you now have time. In fact, talk a little bit about what you do when you have a new member. I love the fact that you spend an enormous amount of time with each new person and you try to do that in person so you can really build a rapport. Talk a little bit about how you do that. So our first appointments are scheduled for two hours. Now, every patient does not take two hours, but we never want a patient to come in and say, I didn't have enough time with my doctor. And some patients are 13, some patients are uh, uh, 99. So, mm -hmm. but a 99-year-old still may not have a lot of issues, but they've lived 99 years. So they've got a lot of things to discuss <laughs> um, and say, hey, I, I, this happened to me when I was 15, this happened to me when I was 45. And those things can be discussed. Um, our goal is to say, if you want to talk about it, we have the time to talk about it. If you, and most patients say, I don't think I need two hours. That sounds like way too much time. You'd be surprised. More often than not, we go full two hours <laughs> because we don't just talk about, hey, are you, what medications are you on? But we talk about their family history, we talk about their own personal history. We talk about mental health issues. All of those things we have the time to do and we make sure that if they have concerns, we go through them. If they've done their own research, we say, hey, where did you research that? Um, were you using Google? And is that your, uh, has that been your source of med medical information for the last few years? or is something else happening? But we have time to evaluate and really get into the depths of their health and say, this is how we can make sure that we've addressed your concerns, how we can make you healthier, and how we're gonna make a plan going forward. I think sometimes there's no plan going forward. How are we gonna work together um, to, to make sure that they are on board and can uh-oh, I, I think we've been disconnected somehow, but I'm hoping that we're still talking. Can you hear me? I can hear you, but okay. Keep going. Um, we may have just lost the, the, okay. the video. Okay, there you, there you are. Okay, there you are. Um, but it really is about making sure that if you have, a, if, if a patient has concern, that we are able to address it. And most patients, you know, I just still have patients that really do only need 45 minutes. They're like, I'm healthy. I want to stay that way. How can we get there? And we make a plan for that. But if they have more medical issues that need a little bit more time, there is no 15 minute window. We're like, let me talk about, uh, you know, 15 issues in 15 minutes. It just can't be done. Medicine really doesn't work that way. And healthcare doesn't shouldn't work that way. It is about making sure we get to the root of the problem if we can. I mean, we don't cure everybody that comes through our doors, but we attempt to make sure, can we make the best plan for their health? And I think that's what's changed here um, with ImagineMD. It is that much better in terms of just establishing a, a plan, really, to say, how can we care for you and how can you care for yourself when you go home from this appointment today? And so two hours, it does sound like a lot. And I, when I first started, like two hours, and it, the time flies, honestly, because you get to know the person and the patient gets to know you. They get to know your style of care. And I think sometimes that's where people want to come in. Like, I want to meet my doctor. Like, you don't just get to meet me. We talk about what your goals are. And we talk about goals and the goals of the patient and what I think I can do to achieve those goals with them. 
Well, and I'm so glad you brought that because that's so critical that healthcare be built around the person, their values, their journey. They are the owner of their own health. In fact, if you look at the entire healthcare spectrum, only about 25% is what the healthcare system does to us. 75% of our health is based on what we do and the way we live our lives and every aspect of our health and well-being. And so our healthcare system generally puts 100% of its time and focus on the 25% of what the person's health represents. Well, what the NUCA system did was they said, well, what if we build a healthcare system where 75% of our time was focused on keeping the person healthy? And it's, it's amazing what you can do with overall population health when the healthcare system is balanced to meet the customer's needs instead of the customer just simply coming to be the benefactor of the institution of medicine after people fall off the cliff. And when you talk about meeting with them for two hours and finding out their goals, it's a lot more than just physical health, isn't it? It's emotional, it's social, it's nutritional, it's, it's environmental. Everything goes into making up our health. And I love the fact that direct primary care doesn't limit it to what's the problem today? You know, how can I fix yes. the problem today? Our goal is to make sure we know you, the person, the patient, and to make sure that we address all of those things. And because our health is not one thing, it doesn't, it's not one system. Our bodies are a whole bunch of systems and we need to make sure how they work together and how we can make them work best. And that's what we're, our goal is. So, um, but you had mentioned earlier today about cost. And I think one of the things that we've seen with employers is that They've gone, you know, a lot of times patients will use emergency room as their primary care. That doesn't happen with direct primary care. We are allowed, we make sure that if some patient it has an urgent matter, we talk about it that day. Hey, are you thinking about going to emergency room? Can we handle it in our office? And if we can, we do. Um, if they do need, you know, emergency room is for emergencies. And if they need to go, we will make sure. But uh, most times, I would say more often than not, we can avoid an emergency room visit, which of course is one of the most expensive type of visits that you can have. And first of all, we know the patient, we know that they, you know, what kind of care they've received in the past, what kind of care they need going forward. So most patients don't want to go and sit in an emergency room for four hours anyway. <laughs> we say, hey, we can schedule you today, we can take care of this issue, and let's move forward. Um, but so not only emergency room visits, we avoid urgent care visits. Both of them are costly. And but it's still better with us because we know the patient and we know their history and we know where they've been and where they're going. Well, and talk a little bit about the fact that once you meet with the patient for an extended period of time face-to-face -face the first time and you really get to know them, a lot of your care can be offered over the phone. Yes. And so how do, the... <laughs> how do you make that available to people? Do you give them your cell phone and say, hey, call me if you need me? So we have direct lines. So one is my phone line that we call, you know, if a patient just says, I need to talk to Dr. Samuels, my phone number is, it goes directly to my um, office number. And now when, when I'm in with a patient, it goes, they can leave me a voicemail. But if they have an emergency, it actually rings to my medical assistant and he will come and knock on the door and get me out of the office because emergencies trump everything. And if they need to talk to me right then, they say, hey, you know, I just don't know what to do. I have an emergency. He knocks on the door and says, and we say, you know, excuse me, <laughs> the current patient, but, you know, we, we would want that to happen for you if you need it to. And they, there is no layers. There are no five layers here. The, the biggest layer is my medical assistant just coming to have to knock on the door to come get me. But at night, they do have direct access to my cell phone. And so, and that's 24-7. So, you know, during the office hours, 
my cell phone's here, but my medical assistant kind of answers the phone for me. But during right. after five or our regular hours, it rings to my cell phone. And so they, if they need it to talk to me at two o'clock in the morning, it happens. And, you know, we, we say it's not to say hi, it's for emergencies. But <laughs> most times they they don't want to use it. But it, it, we can we will say if you are thinking that this is something urgent, it's better to call me. Let's get this handled. And they love that. And most patients will say, oh, it's one of the best aspects. They can't believe that I answer the phone. Yeah. Like, That's who you should talk to. I know you better than anybody else, hopefully. Other than your spouse or whoever else, you know, but but as far as your healthcare is concerned, I should know you best, and I can help you, and we can make a decision together. Is what's the next next best step? Is it to go to the emergency room, or can you wait to see me the next day? And if they can, they say, oh, you can get me in the, the next morning. Absolutely, because we want you cared for, and they appreciate it. And it's been one of the things that is used by a few patients. I mean, all patients have access to it, but sometimes they feel like, no, I shouldn't do this. But no, it's offered to you. And when they have to use it, they feel comfortable and they feel relieved, honestly. And I, well, you tell me, have you found anybody that grossly abuses it? No. And honestly, when they, when they, if, let's say they make a mistake, they, oh, I didn't know this is just for, I just need a refill. Okay. And, and that I don't, that has never happened at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but, but let's say they call um, in the evening. And they'll apologize. Oh, I didn't know this was your emergency line. Like, hey, so we just have to give them information about it. They understand. And I don't think anybody has abused it from my standpoint or even Dr. Lickerman's. Um, and even if they made a mistake and called the emergency line and it wasn't an urgent matter, we just say, hey, you felt it was urgent. So let's talk about it. This is why this would be an appropriate call or an inappropriate call. But no one abuses. I have not. We have not had that experience, and we're hoping that. But that's part of. We do an onboarding um, process where we call each patient before that first two hour, where we talk about emergencies and what should happen. And they are thrown. They're blown away by the fact that we call them before their first appointment too, and we give that information. I think what happens, we give them more information than not. And when they, when patients have that information, they use it, and they say, oh. I have access, so I don't have to abuse this. I know I can call her tomorrow, and you know we can discuss whatever's, whatever concerns I may have, and and that availability is appreciated. And I think they like it so much. They're like, I don't want to lose this doctor, so I'm not going to abuse it. <laughs> but well, the, and, it does not happen. And now let's put that into the context of an employer. An employer offers benefits to attract and retain good employees. That's the number one reason employers buy benefits. Imagine the ability to attract and retain employees by offering your employees this kind of health care. You know, once a person figures what this is and how wonderful it is, it's like, thank you, employer, for paying for me to have this level of health care. And now let's talk about how this level of health care can avoid so many medical errors. You know, John Hopkins did a study where they found that the third largest cause of death in America was medical errors. Well, a lot of that comes from the fact that we don't have a primary care physician playing quarterback and coordinating all the care that goes between various specialists. Talk about the role of a direct primary care physician and, and how valuable it is to have somebody playing quarterback between the various specialists. And I think that's quarterback is a good analogy for that or a term to use because we are behind the scenes and we're saying hey these kind of you have these medical conditions you have three three or four specialists we don't want one specialist starting you on a medication that 
uh, is, uh, has side effect with another medication given to you by another specialist. So we try to make sure that we get all of the reports from all the consultants. And when we think there might be a conflict in medications or treatment plan, we, we can talk to them directly on, on behalf of the patient or say, hey, you know what, how about we have all of the people uh, that are involved in the care on a, on a call together. It doesn't always happen that way because they're usually in fee-for-service, but we make sure that we coordinate um, their care. And so we, we say, hey, you know what, you, you're seeing a neurologist, but let's make sure the neurologist is aware, hey, this medication can, can be, um, have a significant side effect with this other disease process that they may, may or may not have. And the patients appreciate that. And then sometimes the patient may tell us, I didn't understand the plan. And what we'll go through, we'll go through it and say, hey, you know what, let me, if I, you know, usually we will request the con consult note and say, let's make sure we understand the plan ourselves and go through through it with them and say, this is how this is going to help you to get healthier. This is how um, this treatment will work. Uh, this is your prognosis. These are the kind of things. Sometimes having a trusted member of your healthcare team to go through it with you, a, almost like a second opinion. And we're not, we're not giving a second opinion, but going through it and going through everything that they uh, ch that's changed in the last few months or the last uh, time they visited their specialist, and they appreciate that. They want someone to say, I'm in your corner, and I'm going to make sure that this is the best plan of care for me and how this is going to keep me healthy. Um, and so we're quarterbacking all of that care for them, and it, it's worked well. And then sometimes they want to one specialist might want to repeat, let's say, a CT or something like that. And we avoid repeating tests that don't need to be repeated. We avoid those things because, hey, you, did you know she just had one two, yesterday or two days ago? Oh, we didn't right. know that because it wasn't in the records that we have. No, she has one. We can send it to you. And if you need any other information, we can provide that for you. And that's what we that's another way we decrease costs because we don't repeat tests that don't need to be repeated. We don't have and we also try to help. Uh, navigate the things like radiology, where a CT can be $3,500 at a, hot, a tertiary care center, but it may be $350 at a um, offsite facility. And we say, hey, you know, we can we can make sure that we move you toward that place where it's $350 instead of $3,500, and that's going to lower the cost for everybody: the employee, the employer, and the healthcare system in general. Right. And the traditional system, this fee-for-service, and if you were working under the typical fee-for-service, you wouldn't get paid to do all that. And because you're yeah. not getting paid to do all that, it doesn't happen. And that's why medical errors kill so many people is because we don't have a system built on someone playing the quarterback. The patient has to be the communicator. And the patient doesn't have the background and experience to be the coordinator and the communicator between all these different doctors. So having direct primary care helps the patient, helps the employer, and is much, much better for the entire healthcare system. We think so. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Dr. Samuels, thank you so much for being with me today. It's thank been delightful. And uh, good luck as you continue to do the right kind of smart healthcare. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You Bye too. Bye-bye.